Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode three of the Couch Sports Podcast. I'm joined here today by Feigenbaum, Labelzik, and Malik. Boys, how are we doing? Good, good. Ready to talk some football. Doing good. Mike? Doing good. All right, perfect. Let's get this rolling. We're going to talk a lot of football today, as Malik said, but first, we're going to run down a couple things. Uh, Joey Chestnut, is he the greatest athlete uh, in American sports history? I mean... The guy, he's the winningest guy, literally winningest athlete ever. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, he certainly has a heck of a takedown uh, attempt on that guy that came up and um, tried to steal his thunder, dude. He certainly has a <laughs> career in MMA maybe ahead of yeah. him if he doesn't. So, so, Max, you're the UFC guy here. Uh, talk to me about his form. What, like, what was he? <laughs> he was I going mean, for a neck break. He I think looks that's like what he's he was trying to for. snap that motherfucker's neck. Yeah, I, like that's like that's the only thing I could come up with because it was like a weird, awkward angle, and he just went full neck and tried to take his break his neck. So I don't know what that was, but he ha- he took him down pretty quick and then went back I to the hot dogs. I loved it. I loved though. it too. There's a yeah. I've been I've been watching this guy on YouTube, and he all he does is just try to like the food challenges. He eats food as fast as he can, and like as short of a time. I don't, how do you discover you have a talent for this stuff? You know, yeah, like so, you just start shoving glizzies. Hard, yeah. in, you just start shoving glizzies down your throat, and you're like, "Damn, like, this, these go down pretty easy." And then you just kind of like, right, "Down I'm smooth." Like, <laughs> I'm living out of this, like uh, that was insane. Joey Chestnut, uh, props to him. Hope, hope everyone had a had a fun and safe Fourth of July. Um, another thing, guy I want to talk about the guy chugging the two gallons of pink lemonade or the gallon oh, of pink oh, lemonade, God. whatever the fuck it was. That's a gallon I mean, of Badlands. How do you not? How do you? How? Just how? I mean, he's a huge I get a headache guy. from a glass of it. I get like a, I, get, I drink one glass, you get like hung over somehow because it's so the sweet. Sugar, you know? yeah, <laughs> like the sweet sugar, your stomach's a mess. But yeah, I mean, we got some. There's like there's a lot of athletes that you know don't that just aren't on the fields or the courts or they come in all doing, shapes and sizes. That's for they, sure. They really do, and and they come in all sorts of. Uh, they play all different types of sports as well. You know, I, I don't know if you want to call glizzy eating or lemonade drinking a sport, but it's definitely some kind of competition that they are. Uh, very dominant in Joy Chestnut being the winningest athlete, I think, in American history. Yep. I think in yeah, in America, yeah, like you said, American history. He he get he got like 15 titles, right? I don't even think it's American history. I think it's just history in general because I think he's tied with like Nadal or something like that. Federer, I, I think it was Federer Jeez. was Federer. number two with 14, I think, is what I saw. Something fucking ridiculous. But yeah, nevertheless, we'll get off the Joy Chestnut talk, the fourth of July uh festivities talk. Let's move into some NBA real quick because we were we took a week off. We were very busy, uh, partying Fourth of July, all that good stuff. So, Celtics made some moves. The Celtics made a few additions, uh, adding Brogdon and Gallinari. Feig, what do you think this does? Uh, and you know, where does this put them in in their chances of getting back to the finals and potentially winning it again? Well, one of the things I like, I really thought they needed was you know that point guard. Um, I'm just, I always like thought that with the Celtics have that guy that can run the offense when it gets to that five, six minute mark in the fourth quarter, because I've seen the Celtics with 15 point leads and I've seen those leads go down to zero or negative 10 or bad, bad, (laughs) bad results, things that shouldn't happen when you're up 15, but also too, Brian's a great player, great shooter. And then, I mean, I don't know if you're going to meet a bigger Danilo Gallinari fan than me. I mean, that guy is just a, (laughs) a good 12, 13 off the bench, but in all seriousness, like 
uh, he can get his own bucket. He doesn't need someone else to kind of set him up, which like, that's like, it's really, really nice to have off the bench. You just have that quick, you know, six points, whatever, like really quick. He can shoot from any, all three levels. Um, so I, I liked both moves a lot. I thought it was a little interesting because now you assume that Brogdon starts, right? I mean, he, he hasn't played a ton just because of injuries and um, coming out of the draft, he had one of the worst uh, like draft analysis on his injury history. They, he, that's why he went, got picked in the second round was because his injury history was one of the worst and that held up for him in the NBA. He, he, I believe it's foot is what he's been dealing with. Um, he's had a lot of injuries and it's a little interesting to me that he's going to be coming in. You assume he starts, and that means that Marcus Smart will get pushed down to shooting guard role. Um, and that's a little interesting because we completely transformed him into that point guard Smart, and that's when we started to change as a team. I hope that he doesn't become the shot-heavy Marcus Smart that he usually is as a shooting guard, but it's just going to be interesting to see how they work together. I like um, Brogdon as like insurance for Derek White not showing up, which he tends to not do offensively. Um, he's a great spark plug offensively. Malcolm Brogdon is. He's a great shooter, and we just need that. And then, like you said with Danilo, he'll get you 14 to 16 points without moving a muscle. Um, you, you're gonna, you're, you need to keep your eyes on him. Just watch him the entire season now because he's, he doesn't move. He just sits there and scores, and um, we're, we're going to need that because we just get so stagnant on offense. Our defense holds up. Brogdon's a good-ish defender. It's hard to know how good he is with um, not seeing him come back from injury yet. Uh, we don't know what his speed looks like. And Danilo is not a great defender. He tries hard, but he's slow. Uh, he can be hidden. The Celtics can hide him. So this is a great move for them. And they still have a move they can make. They still have that TPE that will expire. I don't know if they're going to use anything with it, but they really they gave up very little to get Brogdon. And that was huge because when I first saw that trade, I was thinking it's either Smart or Williams or someone that's gone. Grant Williams, not Derek Rob White, Derek White, even too. Yeah, Derek White. Yeah. So to see that we gave up um, a lot of guys, like I still had, I still liked Neesmith, but you know, we obviously he's not gonna he's not gonna flourish in any role that we give him. It's good to see him to get go on a younger team. Um, yeah, but we didn't give up anyone too important or valuable, and we got someone very val- valuable to us. I I just love the move. I think the most important thing for me when I'm looking at these moves, and I think we both kind of. You guys beat around the bushes when you're saying this, but we got two new sources of offense that don't really require people to set them up, right? So they these guys, uh, both Gallinari and Brogdon, can get buckets on their own, uh, which is kind of what the Celtics need, you know, especially when our offense is stagnant or our sets aren't working or we're getting locked up. Just another option, you know, JT or JB are having a tough game. It's another source of offense. You know, they get good shots on their own. Uh, you know, Marcus Smart tries to create his own offense, but they don't. He doesn't create great shots by himself usually, uh, except when he gets in the paint. He usually takes. He usually gets good looks, good floaters, good floater looks. But you know, adding two new sources of offense that have don't that don't really need to that like don't really need anything to get them going is is huge for us. But uh, I love these two moves. I think this really puts the Celtics in a great position to try to get back to the finals. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, what I saw in the finals is like game six, like they just didn't have any minute more, any more minutes for the wing position. Jason Tatum was gas. Jalen Brown was, was gas by the end of that game. So they got that with Danilo Garnari. And he's going to give you some good minutes, a good shooter. Uh, they can they can still add a wing, another defensive wing, like Max said with TPE. 
And they needed they needed some more playmaking on the point guard end from Marcus Smart, so he doesn't have to do rely on that, so he can pl- play more defense. But mm-hmm. you can you can interchange them, like you can interchange Brogdon and Marcus Smart, I think, and they can be like a good defensive backcourt. But Brogdon's got to see the court; he always gets yeah. hurt. So I want to that'll be interesting to see what they do with the TPE if they get another point guard or they get another wing. But I like the moves by the Celtics so far. I wouldn't mind a young ball handler if I'm the C's, you know, try to go get somebody that can come in and kind of run an offense, right? You have a couple of guys right now that aren't really true point guards that aren't really going to set up an offense and kind of can control a game. Um, so I would really love like a game, a game manager from the Celtics, kind of like somebody young uh, who's not going to try to do too much on offense, but can come in kind of like a Rondo in a sense that can just really impact the game without scoring. Uh, one really interesting thing too about this move is that it now puts probably Al on the bench, right? Yeah. That puts Al as six man. So, you know, you're starting small ball. You're going, uh, you're going Brogdon if he's healthy. And then you have Smart, Brown, Tatum, and Rob Will. That bumps Al to the bench, which, I mean, I don't mind the move, honestly, right? Like, if you're if you're yeah. a Celtics guy like me, I, I think that this is a pretty decent move for Al. Decreasing his minutes as he's getting older, obviously. His body's getting a little more fragile, but also mm-hmm. he can be, he can come in, you know, well-rested and, and be really efficient. I think he'll be a very efficient player for the Celtics next season. Uh, I think one thing that's also, we can talk, we don't really need to get into the Celtics, you know, next season looks now, but um, we're also going to be very dependent on Rob Will's health. We saw how significant that was for us all season uh, or all playoffs uh, mainly. I think in the regular season, we'll be fine without him. We can manage without him, but when it comes time to win basketball games, you need Rob Will, period. No, I think, you know, and I, you know, I think I was very critical of the Celtics, but these two moves they made, I really do like, and I think they're, they're, it's them and the Bucks and everyone else right now in the East, um, pending everything, you know, what happens with some big names right now. But I think one of the things that you mentioned, Al going to the bench, he can spell, he can spell Rob well, he has to with the five, he can spell Jason Tatum, like he gives a lot more flexibility. Um, and I think one of the things I like is that smart isn't ball handling because I feel like he can get a little erratic. Like some of his like gifts can also be his, I guess, uh, un, you know, undoings, you know, he gets a little fast and sped up. I feel like when you have a point guard, you want them to control the game. And obviously you want to be fast when you're supposed to, but he's all gas all the time yeah. and let him know. Now you can kind of let him do his thing like on defense. I don't know. I feel like if you have let him focus mainly on defense, he gets the number one guy. I feel like you're about, you're, I think you're going to see the best of Marcus Smart now. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with that. We didn't have a ball handler. Like Marcus Smart was our best ball handler, but he's not an A plus ball handler by any mean. And not that Malcolm, yeah. that, not that Brogdon is an A plus ball handler, but he's like at least an A and you know, we really needed that. Um, two names that I've heard on the TPE market for the Celtics is, um, I've heard that they're looking for insurance for Rob Will because he played a good amount of minutes. He's never healthy. Um, we're kind of just assuming that he's probably going to get an injury or be not play 82 games. So I've heard that they're interested in maybe like a Thomas Bryant or someone that they can get with the TPE to be a big insurance for Rob Will. Um, I know how Horford is, but if I'm the Celtics, like I don't want to rely on Horford to be my backup for someone who's injury prone when he himself is getting up there in age, like we mentioned. And it's just a lot to put, it's a lot to put on him. 
We want to gradually reduce his role a little bit um, just because he's so old. He looked good though last year, but you know, they, those guys played a lot of games. They made it all the way to the finals. Only two teams played as many games as they did the Warriors and the Celtics. And um, that's going to take a toll on some of our players. We're going to have some injuries. These guys play in the summer too um, for their respective countries. Sometimes I know Tatum played like either last summer, or two summers ago. So they have a lot of mileage on them. Um, I think the Celtics are going to look to either add. I also heard Malik Beasley could be a name that we might be adding um, as like a backup point guard, someone who can also dribble has like really good ball handling. And I think that'd be a good name for us to look out for, but yeah, just, you know, like you guys were mentioning about what, what we could do with the TPE. Um, I'm thinking it's probably going to be big insurance or um, another point guard, or we just don't use it and let it expire. Would you rather have a, a guard or like a solid center that like I can really back him up? Cause center. y'all, are, y'all, y'all have, y'all still have Pritchard. He's yeah, just I'd say center. defense. Yeah. I, I disagree. I disagree with both of you. I'm going to go guard really? for the simple fact that I think the Celtics can play small ball better and better yeah. or as good as anybody in the league. I think adding another person that can create open shots for Tatum, Brown, even Horford, uh, Grant Williams, just adding someone like a Rondo. I know I keep saying this, but as like somebody that is literally main job is to run an offense and distribute. Uh, Dragic would have been perfect. Dragic would have been great. I know he lost a little bit of his speed, uh, but he's a phenomenal knockdown three-point shooter. I want a playmaker. I want just somebody that can facilitate uh, very well, can handle the ball very well, doesn't make a lot of mistakes, just just does a very solid job. And whether he starts or plays 25 minutes off the bench, I just want a solid. Uh, I just want a solid point guard. I want a solid game manager that can that can help us win games down the stretch when our offense isn't going great, uh, and somebody that we can rely on to you know make a play or call an offense or just kind of control the game. Well, just the only thing on that is, like, if Rob will goes down, and yes, they can play small ball, but let's say he does go down with like. A longer injury, which let's be honest, like that's not out of the question with Rob. Yeah. Well, injuries are a big thing. You know, they could be really screwed against certain teams like the Bucks. The Bucks are a very long team, yeah. a bigger team. I think like I know like a guy, I mean, like I don't I don't have the free agent centers, but like I know a guy like a drum in or like Dwight Howard, just having that insurance where Boogie they cousins. can exactly from the injuries and mainly because you have to look at who you're going up against in the East, who you're, who are you contending against? And honestly, the biggest threats, the bucks, you have the heat right behind they have bam. And I think the Celtics, well, yes, if Brogdon goes down, that would suck. But I think Derek white, Peyton Pritchard, you play small. Like there are options. There's literally no options right now after, uh, after Rob will. And Horford, but yeah, you're not. Yeah. yeah. Well, all right, yeah, I, Max, you I have one more thing center. to say. Let's wrap this Sorry. up. Sorry, yes, I I just picked the center just because, like, guys, we have it's like we lost Tice, so it's Horford, Rob Will, and then like Luke Cornett is really like we're we're very low on bigs. We need, I think we need one more, one more serviceable big. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm I'm high on Luke Cornett. I really am, but he and he always looks good in the five seconds he plays a game. But um, I don't know. We we definitely need a little bit of insurance because I think. I think we got our ball handler in, in Brogdon. And like you said, Pritchard has some balls on him. I mean, he airballed a lot in the finals, but that's experience that a lot of people don't have. And I like to, I just really like his game. I think they like his game. 
and plus he was taking solid good. shots. He was he was shooting. He was yeah. You know he had good looks. He had the balls to shoot. I mean he I would have shot it. He was, he was off. off. He was off. Yeah, but I mean yeah, at least right. he shot it. So yeah, yeah that's, I, that's, that was a plus. That's what I want to close on. That's why I think we need a big. That was an awesome uh, Celtics discussion there, guys. That was awesome. That was fun. Let's talk about one more thing, really, really, really briefly. Kevin Durant market is still taking shape. Uh, news dropped, I believe, on Monday that he bought a house in Toronto, three point one two million dollar house in Toronto. I saw on Twitter. So what? I don't know I what the fuck that. that. Maybe he's just buying it to like <laughs> be closer to Drake and hang out with my boy Drake. But um, I, you know, this KD shit is fucking starting to piss me off. Like I, I just want to know where he's playing next season. Malik, what do you think? I just, I just can't see anywhere like he could go, honestly, because the players that they want, they want two all-stars or all-star level players, but they half the league, like the young players are on the contract. So they can't trade them with like a player on the nets. They can't, it's Ben Simmons. Yeah. So like the only other options, the only good options are really the Warriors. Cause they can trade pool Wiggins, but I don't want to see that. Or the Raptors, they can trade Scotty Barnes, but would you really want to trade Scotty Barnes? Yeah. No. I don't think they do. I don't think they will. Um, trade Scotty Barnes, so I don't, that's why I don't know if Toronto's happening. And then just to reiterate what you were talking about, Malik, with the contracts, um, I don't know how many people know this, but with the CBA rules, you can't have multiple players that are on their max, their rookie max extension contract. So, for example, Bam Adebayo is on his rookie max extension contract. You can't trade him for Kevin Durant because him and Ben Simmons can't be on the same team because Ben Simmons is also on his rookie max, ex- max extension. See, this is why we have Max on, because he's a fucking rules guru when it comes to this trade <laughs> shit. So no, I just listen free to a agency lot of, stuff. Yeah, I just listen to a lot of podcasts. There's a lot of random CBA rules that everyone forgets, but um, that for that reason, we could never, like, it was always weird when people wanted Bam to come to um, Boston because we couldn't do that um, because obviously you can't have Bam and Tatum on the same thing. But yeah, ju- that's, I just wanted to put that out there. That's why, like, a heat trade is very... Un- not probable just because it would be like a package of Lowry hero and like Duncan Robinson, but yeah, you gotta, they, you gotta think there's better options out there. If you're, yeah, if you're the nets, that makes no sense. They said they were looking for an all-star plus multiple first. So we'll see what happens there. I'm excited to see how that unfolds. <clears throat> we're going to transition into some NFL talk. Now uh, this graphic dropped the other day, Fox sent it in the chat of the most expensive receiving corps in uh for this upcoming 2022 NFL season. And uh Patriots lead the list at $72.2 million. Jaguars are second with 53.8 million, Chargers 49.5, Giants 47.45. You sent this in the chat, and we're all like, this makes zero fucking sense. Why do you, I mean usually the Patriots aren't a team to mismanage money, but what, what do you like? What are they doing here? What are we doing? You know, it's – and I think this isn't – you know, obviously as a Patriots fan, this definitely infuriated me um, because the fact that we're spending $20 million more than the next team and that team right behind them is the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> obviously the Chargers, they actually have good weapons. And then the Giants, like those are not teams I want to be like up in leaderboards with. Um, but mainly just like talking about it, it's like – it doesn't really make much sense. And like, and I understand the way I know this is kind of shifting to a little bit of a Patriots talk. And I understand when they made all these moves two years ago during this, the COVID year during 2021, that season or 2020, um, whatever that 
whenever it was, they tried to treat it as like a two-year free agency because they saw a depleted market where not a lot of people had money and they had a bunch of money coming off the books. But mainly I want to ask you guys, like, really, like, I think when you look at it, and maybe I'm not asking a question, maybe I'm just talking and just posing something, but from looking at this list, it looks like the most money will not necessarily win you a championship. It is how you draft and how you spread spread that money around. And oh that, yeah, that's kind sure. of where I'm kind of going with that. Yeah, that's that's a lot. Of, that's the reason why you don't see a lot of like quarterbacks winning off their second contract. It's like more exactly, like yeah. a rookie contract guy, so they can fill the rest of the team after you after you like disperse a bunch of money in the group. Like everything's going to be like off balance, really. But the I Patriots think, are – I thought they were good. They had a good – Jacoby Myers is a dog. He's a dog. No, I, I, I mean, no, don't get me wrong. There's some guys, a guy like Jacoby Myers, you know, they did – they have two tight ends. They're paying a lot, so that's part of it. Not a lot of teams pay two tight ends, let alone one. Um, But part of it is money and production, and the production is not of the level that needs to be the case right now. Um, yeah. You know, like John o. Smith, he's got to have a, he's got to step up. Like they paid way too much money for him. Uh, just you go with the other teams, Jaguars. Like Jaguars just gave four years, eighty four to Christian Kirk. Like, oh man, <laughs> Christian like, Kenny Galladay went to the Giants. And I don't Christian think it's really a Kenny Galladay thing. I think it's more of like a Giant thing. But Kenny Galladay, what he he got the bag last year. So it's yeah. like I don't. know. I wanted to bring this up. It's like interesting. You look at it. This graphic normally always think like, Oh my God, like the best teams, the best receivers, they're always going to win. you got to spend that money in free agency. But for those fans that want, you want to drop the bag on a player. Like these are the teams leading. Like, does that always work? Not necessarily. Yeah. I think that's, I think it's really interesting, but I also think Fig, you brought up a great point about the tight ends. Uh, we're paying fucking Hunter Henry and uh, was, is it Jonah Smith? Is that, is Jonah that Smith. Jonah, Jonah, the yeah. other guy, John or Jonah, the other guy we're paying. I mean, we're paying them an absurd amount of money. Hunter Henry got a fucking bag and a half. He got paid. Uh, it's just interesting because you see a lot of these teams, like you look at the Raiders, they have Devontae Adams. They have um, Hunter Renfro. They have Darren Waller. Waller. Like <laughs> they have a dis, they have probably the best offense in the league and they're not even on the list. Like they're not even in the top four. It's just so interesting that it's also about, it also speaks to how teams kind of scout talent and also develop that talent within a short amount of time. Right. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys are very, very young and coming off of contracts that aren't insane. They're like, you know, that's not anything ridiculous. Uh, you look at the highest paid receivers. Um, I think Tyreek is number one now. I think he's the highest paid receiver in the league. Uh, he's not on a team that's really like really looking to, to win right now. Like the, Fucking dolphins aren't going to be Super Bowl contenders this year. At least no. I don't fucking think so. Well, but they least, well they're they're trying. At least they're they are they're, trying. Yeah, I think they they're, think they're they trying. will be. They're taking steps in a direction too. But I also think paying like a guy like we all have agreed on that much isn't really the answer to kind of putting together a Super Bowl winning roster. Uh, I think Tyreek saw an opportunity to make an absolute bag, uh, and I think he kind of took it. I think he kind of. I don't know if he's expecting to win. Um, but you know, I, I, it's interesting. It's just very interesting. Fact. You know, I think it's, it's twofold really where, you know, with the chiefs, it's like funny because it, it, they both kind of work together. The chiefs, they're paying Mahomes a bunch of money right now. So that money starts kicking in. You can't keep everyone. 
So Tyreek is a guy that has to get moved. You move him to Miami. Miami is not paying to anything. Miami's trying to figure out if Tua is that guy. And now with Tua, you've got a left tackle. you got Jalen Waddell. you got Kasicki. You just got Tyreek Hill. you got a new coach. you got, like, three new running backs. Like, this is the year. If you don't step up, like, you're gone. They're getting someone else. And that's how you really have to do it. You build around, like, as Malik said, a rookie quarterback or a veteran. Like, you really don't see, like, like you saw Matt Stafford this year win it. And then he got that extension reward. And so now the Rams like just have all this money. I don't really know where it comes from. (laughs) Uh, Like I think they just keep kicking the can down the road with some of this and they figure it out, but it worked. So yeah, it worked. But I, that's why I believe repeating in football is the hardest sport to win multiple championships in because of the fact that, you know, these guys win championships and they have incredible years. And then they're looking to go get a fucking bag somewhere else a season or two later. Right. Uh, you know, and they're granted, they completely deserve it. They're absolutely studs. Um, but that's why the, like the Patriots, uh, run is so impressive. Uh, and like, you know, the mid to late, whatever, 2010s, it's so impressive that they were able to do that because of it. just like putting a roster together in the NFL is so fucking difficult. You have 22 starting positions that all need to be paid. And but also have the motivation to go out there and give it their best, even if they know that they're not making like the most money. Um, but I will say, if you do win, like you get a, you get a lot of bonuses if you make a, like for each playoff win, making the playoff Super Bowls. These contracts in the NFL, uh, more than any other sport, are completely loaded with incentives. So I think the motivation to play is there for a lot of these guys. But you know, in order to construct a Super Bowl winning roster year in and year out, it's it's very 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 difficult to do it. And you have to, and you really just like play the play, the pay structure is just rising every year. So you gotta, you really have to, you're in this situation where you're really stuck. You have to pay this guy. Then, like, like the Seahawks, and years on, it just gets worse and worse, and your roster just depletes, and he has to, the quarterback has to leave. So I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant on the big contracts. Like, if you're that, you gotta be that guy. If you want to, if you like a, hundred million dollar deal for me even if you are teams are forced to yeah right i agree but even if you are that guy like putting so much money into one player into one person unless you can draft a lot of talent doesn't do a ton for you um we saw the chiefs obviously dumped all their money into mahomes they lost tyree kill they lost tyron matthew like they're they're not as good of a team as they were when they won a super bowl right they win the super bowl um, Patrick Mahomes gets fucking paid and, you know, the chiefs are kind of on the decline. I know they brought in Juju and he, and he'll be pretty good. And I'm excited to watch him play this year. Yeah. I think he's going to have a very, very solid year, but it, it's just like, it's just so difficult if you're a GM because you're dumping all of the money into one guy for what to make, just to make the wild card, just to make the playoffs and maybe win one or two games, maybe get to the conference championship again. But that's why Bill Belichick as a GM was so incredible because he could just year in and year out keep the same talent um, on the field for for basically for you know seven years, six years. It's a goat. He is the goat. And, and I think that's part of the reason why when you start paying your quarterback, the GM position is so valuable because you need a draft well. Like you need guys, you need some guys contributing on your team that aren't getting paid anything. That's really just how it is. Like 
I mean, you look at just an example, like AJ Brown got traded because he was, he wanted a new extension and like the Titans drafted Traylon Burks, who was player comped to AJ Brown. So they drafted the closest thing to AJ Brown because they're not paying him now. So it's just like something interesting to think about um, how like, you know, with teams constructed things like that, because the NFL is a hard cap. Like you need guys to be paid at a lower salary when you are paying your big guys, like, especially your quarterback, you have to pay your quarterback. That's like, you get a guy, you like him, you, you keep them the whole time. That That's what you have to do. And yeah, what else I got from the come going back to the list, what else I got from it is like bad teams make a lot of bad decisions. Like I'm a huge Giants fan and our, our management was horrible for like, four years so I like I he, we just threw money at Kenny Galladay he didn't score a touchdown last year yeah, and bad. um even our draft picks Kadarius Tony had like one touchdown and like 400 yards he's it's just, yeah he's, he's gonna be good it, see, it be seemed good. like he had like the 400 yards literally over the course of like six games and then just dropped off the face <laughs> of the earth not that even it was nuts I'm not a Florida fan he can play he's good but yeah, but like, it's just like teams should teams should like actually invest and like scout hire and I like uh, Fike said and general managers and get those get good people in that position for them to succeed. Very underrated like, position when it comes to the success of an NFL franchise. Yeah. Uh, absolutely for sure. All right, that was a great discussion, fellas. Anybody got anything to add before we wrap this up? Perfect. Uh, that was pretty good. Yeah. That was fun. All right. When we come back, we're going to go over the final division, the AFC, the AFC West. We've covered the AFC East, South, and North. Now we're going to go over the AFC West uh, record predictions from the three of us versus, and then we're going to ultimately compare them to the Vegas lines and uh, maybe figure out a bet that we all liked and uh, we're going to take. So, yeah, we will be right back with that. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. This is probably our favorite segment to do here on the podcast where we just take an NFL division, run through the records of the teams in the divisions and talk about it. It gets us absolutely excited for the season, absolutely pumped comparing them to the Vegas lines. We, uh, we already have, I believe two squad rides already on the, on the year. Uh, we have the bills and then we have the Titans over nine. So we have those two so far. Hopefully we find one more today. We have the chiefs Broncos chargers and Raiders in this, in a completely stacked AFC West. Malik, why don't you give us your records uh, for those teams this year? Okay, uh, for the Broncos, week one, I got a – that's a W to this Seahawks. Are we, are yeah, we just what, what, is your, what is your full record? What's it just like total record? Yeah, just record like 12-5. Oh, and five, Like Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, just, just record. Just record. Literally just record. Yeah. I got Broncos 13-4. and four. I got Chiefs 12-5. and five. Raiders 9-8. and eight. And Chargers on eight. Okay, five. I got I got the Broncos twelve and five, Chargers eleven and six, Chiefs ten and seven, Raiders nine and eight. All right, I have this is crazy. This is I'm so excited to talk about this. This is fucking insane. I have Raiders twelve and five. I have Broncos eleven and six. I have Chiefs ten and seven, and I have Chargers eight and nine. Let's. Oh, wow. I, I don't even know where to start. Five. Why don't you Why don't you talk about the like the first team you want to talk about? Because I have no fucking clue where to start. All right, well, you know, I'll lead it off with uh, my 
my division leading Broncos at 12 and five. Um, listen, I, with the Broncos, I just like, I just see there's just too much to like regarding first of all, their weapon, like their weapons. Let's talk about the running backs, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, pretty solid offensive line. They've got Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. Well, obviously, he's doing some legal trouble. Hopefully, he can play. KJ Hamler. So. Um, you know, they've got a deep receiver core. You know, defensively, Bradley Chubb. You've got uh, Justin Simmons. You've got Patrick Sertan. You got um, Vaughn Miller. Fuller. I mean, they got, dude, they got some guys on the team. And I think this team is very similar to when that Bucks team. Had Brady come in, they really lacked a quarterback. And I'm a huge Russ guy. I, I like, I love Russ. I think see, the Seattle just ran a 1990s offense where they wanted to run the ball <laughs> 50 times a game. They wanted to play good defense with bad with bad defensive players instead of letting Russ cook, like actually letting Russ cook. And when they did let Russ cook, they had a moron for their offensive coordinator. So I think you're really gonna see. An interesting Broncos team finally take the lead. Yeah, I had the Broncos going thirteen and four. Actually, yeah, I don't, I, I went overboard with this one, but like Fag said, uh, the Russell Wilson, he his offense last year was not good at all. These past few years have not been good at all, and he's gonna flourish in this offense. Look at the just look at the weapons, KJ Hamler. Dre Judy, Corlin Sutton's coming back from ACL. And the defensive they, – they beefed up their offensive line, too, as well. They got – they still have Garrett Borles. And look, just look at the defensive side of the ball. Bradley Chubb's coming back, too. And it, they're, just, they're all going to get better. I'm excited for this Broncos team, man. I had them going 11-6. and six. I, The thing with the Broncos is that I think their defense is going to – win them the majority of the games. I don't know if their offense will be insanely high powered. I don't really know if they're going to be one of the top scoring uh, offenses in the league when it comes to scoring points, but I think their defense is going to take care of business uh, on their side of the ball. Uh, I'm very confident that their defense is going to be just a fucking bunch of dogs just eating up dudes. Uh, no homo. Uh, well, pause. Actually, I don't know if that's acceptable to say in 2022. Sorry, well, I, but don't get canceled. I'm not trying to get canceled. A, I just got like a question for you regarding, like, regarding, like, you think the defense will uh, kind of carry them more so than the offense? Do you think that's more like a rust thing, like the receivers? Like, do you not believe in the receiving core? Like, what kind of like is your, I guess, hesitation with them? My hesitation is in the receiving core, uh, and I do believe they lost no fan. Did they lose no fan, or did they still have him? They traded him away. Yes. They, yeah. They have say. this. They have a tight end who I totally forgot to mention. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, I call him it's Albert O. It's like Albert Oku Ugu. I don't know, but they're like really <laughs> high on him. He was actually eating into a lot of fan snaps. That's why they were okay with giving up fan, who probably is a better player, but they felt the, the difference will be marginal. Yeah, I just don't know if their weapons will be good enough to, like I said, propel them to be one of the highest scoring offenses in the NFL. Uh, I could see them being, you know, kind of hovering around the middle, middle, mid tier uh, when it comes to scoring. But like I said, I think their defense is lights out. I think their defense is fucking phenomenal. Uh, and I do believe that they will have the opportunity. I do believe that they will have a lot of possessions as well, which could translate to more scoring. 
Uh, I think their defense will force a lot of turnovers and get a lot of three and outs. So to give the Bron- uh, give the Broncos the ball back a lot. Uh, and I do believe that they will be able to put up points, but not at a prolific rate to the point where it's like every time they touch the ball, kind of like the Chiefs a couple years ago, where every time they touch the ball, you knew they were going to score something like that. And I really like their cornerbacks. You got – they still have A.J. Boy, right? Uh, I, so, I do yeah. not – I I do not know. Let's Google it. But they have Patrick. Patrick Sertan had an amazing rookie season. And, um, yeah, he's going to – He's really he's gonna be really good. He he locked up a lot of the good receivers last year. He was under the radar a little bit, but I feel like he's gonna be go off this year. Boy is I a free agent. Oh, he's a free agent. Yeah. They saw Sertain though. Right. He signed Sertain Fuller's very good as well. Yeah, Fuller. Yeah. But yep. Sertan had a great year last year, really long. He was like, phenomenal, dude. He yeah. was I mean, sick. Beast. Six six two, which is you know, that's bigger for a corner so he can guard some of those bigger guys he's he's a very good player you just literally felt like you couldn't throw the ball his way last year he was either like i think he picked off herbert twice in one game uh late in the season last year uh so it's going to be interesting let's transition now getting off of the broncos speaking of justin herbert the chargers um i'm not very high on them their schedule's not easy but malik where do you think this chargers team ends up by the end of the season. I have a lot of people saying that they're going to go 14 and two or like 14 and three and like go to the AFC championship. I think this team is not there yet, really. Um, I feel like Justin Herbert will have a great year, but I just don't believe in this defense at all. They added JC Jackson, though. I will start it up, but I will say JC Jackson for them is a huge, is a huge uh, addition. I do believe they have Kyle Van Noy as well. Van F. Van Noy's both those guys are old. I don't think their linebackers uh, are going to be incredible. I know they're kind of some big names, but I'm not really confident that they're going to be studs. I know JC Jackson is going to be a stud in the secondary. He was a dog for the Patriots last year. Uh, definitely be a dog again. His little, his IG name is Mr. INT. So, you know, that guy, <laughs> you know, that guy's fucking dirty. Uh, I, I believe that the Chargers offense will be a little volatile this year. I think they're going to have games where they look unstoppable. Uh, And I think in order for them to be successful week in and week out, I think Keenan Allen is going to have to have a sick year. Uh, I think he's going to have to have a really, really solid year for the Chargers. Um, And I'm also big on the fact that Herbert has had another year of progression. Uh, You know, another year with the offense, kind of the same, same squad, same crew, uh, Eckler as well. Um, They definitely have a lot of talent. And I think, Herbert can uh, elevate this team. But the thing is, man, the reason I'm so low on them is the schedule. Uh, the schedule that they're, that they have is, is pretty tough. Um, you know, they start the season off pretty, pretty easy. Uh, they first two divisional games of the season are the Raiders and the chiefs, which kind of suck. But then they play the Jaguars. They play the Texans. They play the uh, Browns. They play the Seahawks. They play the Falcons early than the back half of the season is Niners, Chiefs, Cardinals, Raiders, Dolphins, Titans, Colts, Rams, Broncos. Like, that is fucking hell for the back half of the season. So they better figure out a stride early because they're going to need it for the back half of the season if they're going to want to have a solid year. Um, I think they'll take care of business early. I think they'll have one of the best records in the NFL early in the season. Then I could just see them falling off a cliff with this tough schedule. You know, I, I, I got the Chargers at 11-6. Um, 
I, I, I love Herbert. I, I think Herbert's a great, great player, great quarterback, obviously not saying anything new to anyone, but that's just how highly I think of him. And I think he can really elevate the team this year. The one thing that does worry me a little bit with this team is <clears throat> I'm not sure how good their head coach is. You know, that one game, that Thursday night game where they played against the Chiefs, he went for every fourth down. And I don't think they got one of them, and it went to OT. I, like, and then, you know, you had the collapse in the 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 Raiders game and that whole mismanagement, whatnot, you know, what was going to happen or whatever with the tie situation. And then another thing with them, too, is um, their interior run defense. Like they got ran on all day and teams like it, it's really hard to be a successful team. If you can't control both, uh, both ends of the line of scrimmage. Um, it's just at the end of the day, you can have all the flashy weapons you want, but the game is always one up front. Like you control the line of scrimmage, like you're going to win a lot of games. So that's my only two concerns with the team. I know they added a little bit defensively. I think Mac is going to be a great, uh, great because he'll, he'll be, He'll be a better version of himself because he was getting doubled so much in Chicago. Now they're going to have Joey, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. And I think one of the ways they want to, I guess, help some of their defensive ales is, you know, having those two rushers because it's hard to game plan for two. You, you really can't. So I'm really curious. This team, again, a lot of volatility. You never know what you're going to get with the Chargers until that game in the fourth quarter goes to double zeros because – they've lost some games in ways I can't even say. Yeah. Like, and like, I, I like their defense too. Like it's, it's crazy to think about it. Cause if this team was like in another division, they'd probably have like 13 wins, but their division is so hard. It's hard to gauge them. Like where they're going to fall. That's why I'd, I had them at nine and eight. Cause I wasn't really sure. Like with their late with coach Staley's like late game management skills. I wasn't really sure high on those. Yeah. So that yeah, he has to prove it this year for sure. And the gauntlet back half of the season, man, that is yeah. that is ridiculously tough. One thing I forgot to mention earlier, completely forgot, is we have the Broncos win total. Completely skipped over that part, so apologize to you guys for that. Broncos win total sitting at ten even. Over ten is minus one twenty. Under ten is even. I mean, if you're betting this, I'm kind of liking the over here. You know, you're getting the insurance with ten. Uh, you're paying a small amount of juice, nothing crazy, only minus 120. Uh, but for a Broncos team that has unlimited upside, really, you could see them like five had them at a crazy record. I have them at 11 and six. Like that's kind of being a little cautious. I mean, all, all our records pretty much are seem like a squad ride. I mean, yeah. it seems like a squad ride. Let's finish the division and then we will decide uh, on a squad ride here. So we just covered the Chargers. Their win total for this season is at 10 as well. Over 10 is minus 135. Under 10 is plus 115. What do you guys think about that? Um, I might hammer the under on that one. Okay. I'm going to like a hater, but I'm going to hammer it. I also could see this. Do you have really... their uh, record app? Well, I had nine and eight. I think nine and eight, yeah. Nine and eight? Boy, that's – that's a that's a small <laughs> margin though. I don't know. I'm probably staying off that. I see a lot of I see a lot of room with this team. I wouldn't be surprised if they go seven and ten or if they go twelve and five. I completely agree with Fike. They're so if I did have to take a side though, I probably would lean the under. But like Fike said, it's such a small room. Those nine, ten, eight, nine, ten, eleven, like eight, nine, ten mainly. 
Um, yeah. They're all just kind of a few losses away, and we know how how the Chargers handle games late. Uh, if they wanted to hit that total, I think they're going to need to – the head coach is going to need to perform a little better under un, in the clutch and uh, help elevate his team to get those wins because they're definitely talented enough too. All right, moving on to the Chiefs now. Uh, I had them at 10 and 7, lost Tyreek Hill, lost Tyreek Matthew, brought in Juju Smith-Schuster, who I think is going to have a great year. Um, I, I, this team's tough, right? This team's tough in a tough division. Uh, their secondary is kind of shitty, and, and especially in a league with, with some prolific offenses, you could see them getting burned a bunch. Yeah, I had them I had them going 12 and 5 because I I still believe in you can you can get by during the regular season with subpar secondaries. Like you you still have Patrick Holmes, you still have Andy Reid, still have that system, that culture. They can still they can reel out eleven or twelve wins, but in the playoffs, I just couldn't I just can't see them advancing far. Yeah, I mean for me with the Chiefs, you know, this is a team like they're going to figure it out. Like they'll get, they're going to get double digit wins. Like, let's be honest. Like this team isn't going eight and nine, seven and 10. Like Andy Reed, Mahomes, like they, Kelsey, they've done this like too many times. Yeah, I, I think in the beginning of the season, they might struggle a little bit, like trying to find like some of their offensive uh, footing. But like as Malik said, yeah, their, their secondary isn't as good. I think they can win some games just purely on their pass rush. They've always, for the most part, had some level of a pass rush. Um, and Chris Jones, you know, he's up there with some of the better defensive tackles in the game, if not the best. The best, yeah. So uh, I think this team will end up being okay. I have an attendance seven finishing third in the division. But I don't know how high their ceiling is. I think it's going to really rely a lot on – I think they need a receiver – like McCall Hardman or which I, I don't think it's going to happen or their rookie receiver that they drafted. Um, was it Christian Watson? No, it was Sky Clark. Or was it, all right. Sky or Sky, uh, Sky Miller or was Sky, it, uh, Sky Clark? Sky Clark. Clark. Really? Yeah. Okay. No, Sky Moore. Sky Moore. Sky Moore. Yeah. I, I, I knew there it was. There were two guys that were smaller, um, smaller guys drafted, uh, Sky Moore and Christian Watson. And I was trying to figure out which one it was. But I think he really needs to step into kind of that Tyreek role because so much greatness from that Chiefs offense comes from opening up the field. Like I've always seen it when I watch the Chiefs. Kelsey, I've never seen a, a tight end find the soft spot in the zone better than Kelsey. And that's something he's great He always finds it. Great run after catch. He always finds this, that soft spot. I think just opening that up, I think that will be a huge key for them. And I, Andy Reid will figure it out. Like, I'm not D- that worried. No, he's phenomenal. Their OC is also great. Uh, defenses will be able to adjust, though, now that Tyreek's gone. Uh, if they don't develop a deep ball threat, I know they have McCole, too, who's obviously not Tyreek, but he's just as fast as Tyreek. Uh, he's not the receiver he is. He's not as crafty, but he definitely has the speed. So if the Chiefs can open up the middle of a defense for Kelsey and also connect on a few deep balls, they'll be fine. They'll be they'll still be the Chiefs. Uh, I put them at 10-7, and 7, but it was just kind of a calm 10-7. and 7. I'm not really excited i'm not really you know high or low on this team i think they're just kind of going to be uh they're gonna have a decent year um i'm not expecting them to make another super bowl run or anything like that but you know 10 and 7 to calm 10 and 7 it's nothing like you know if they get to 
11 wins. I wouldn't be surprised if it's nine wins. I'd be a little surprised, uh, but 12 wins as well is, is, is that win total that I'm kind of just like, that would be a very successful year for the chiefs. Uh, looking at their win total, it's 10 and a half uh, minus 110 on both sides. So it's pretty much even. Um, I, I don't know, really know. I actually don't know. I probably would stay away from this, but if I had to take a lean, I'd probably lean the over just because I think that, you know, the chiefs are more likely to hit their ceiling rather than their floor just because of the chiefs uh, phenomenal coaching staff, obviously Patrick Mahomes as well, Travis Kelsey, uh, you know, fucking phenomenal defense. So not phenomenal defense, phenomenal defensive line, uh, tough secondary. So I'd probably lean over there. Let, let's be honest though. If we saw this team in the FC championship again, would any of us be surprised? No, no. So but if they won, like, if they won no. the Super Bowl, if they won the Super Bowl, I would be surprised. You know, I, I'd be a little at bit. This but point, it's like, at this point, at this point, yeah, I probably obviously. would. But I mean, you know, uh, they they obviously we don't know who's gonna break out or whatnot with this squad and everything. But I, I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they're in the AFC Championship if they win it. Like, yeah, maybe a little bit, but like if they won it, like I'd be like, you know what, like the receivers they drafted, the players they drafted stepped up, and that's not surprising at all to me. So, yeah. I would probably lean over, but I'm not going to confidently put my money there for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't touch that. That's a that just it can go either way, like so fast. Yeah, for sure. I saved this team for last because I think there was the most disparity uh, or most uh, the biggest gap in the win totals was on this team for me. I have the Raiders at 12 and five. I fucking love this team this year. Uh, you guys had them going below 500 i think both of you have nine and eight you have nine and eight malik do you you have eight and nine no yeah i have eight and nine i why i just want to know why (laughs) well this would this one really could have went like both ways because this team potentially has the best could have the best offense in the nfl but yeah i i should i really should have put them at i was feeling 10 but i really wanted to because I don't really trust the coach in Josh McDaniels yet. He's had one stint in the league that wasn't very successful. My, my, my boy Josh can get it done. Trust me. I, I love my <laughs> yeah. boy Josh. Yeah, I just got to yeah, I gotta see what he's going to do with that offense. I mean, I believe in him. They can – this projection was, like, kind of harsh on him, but I, I really believe in him. I, I'm confident in Josh just strictly because of the fact that he's been the Patriots uh, offense. Like he's literally been the man behind the Patriots offense for, for so long and had so much success. Obviously having Tom Brady may help a little bit, just, just saying, obviously, but yeah. um, you know, he has a great quarterback in Derek Carr. I know a lot of people are very high on him. Uh, his talent is, is unbelievable. Uh, I'm looking to see how he will uh, manage games. Hopefully he can manage games a little bit better. Um, as well as make better decisions kind of when it comes to throwing the ball away or taking sacks and stuff like that, trying not to do as much with his feet uh, because that got into a lot of trouble last year. But I'm confident in Josh, confident in fucking Josh Jacobs, Derek Carr, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, Devontae Adams. I mean, on the other side, Max Crosby, like the list goes on and on of talent on this team. Uh, I think their ceiling is honestly a Super Bowl. I think this team's ceiling is a Super Bowl. Uh, I think this, I also think that, uh, the Raiders fans will kind of come out of the woodwork now that they have a really good chance. I think that they're going to pack this Vegas stadium. Um, I know there was one game last year when they were playing the Washington football team, when they were the football team, 
that there were literally more Washington fans than Raiders fans in the game in Vegas. So I think the Vegas, uh, the Raiders fans will come out of the woodwork. I think they'll come out for their team because they have a really good chance of winning the Super Bowl this year. Cool. Yeah. Quick question. Will we, will we be surprised if like any of these teams made the Super Bowl? That's how stacked they are. The Broncos, I think, would be the most surprising for me out of out of. Oh no, sorry, the Chargers. The Chargers would be most surprising. But uh, for uh, me, it's it's got to be the Raiders for me. Just what? Is it just because of their defense or the fact that they're? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, my, so my record's nine and eight. I didn't really get into them too much yet, but I just I don't know. Like I I do think they probably honestly have the best offensive weaponry of the division, but you have to have some level of defense when you enter the playoffs and I could really see this team. Like if they win the division, I could see them losing a home playoff game. You've got to be able to win various ways. And I think the only way they win is throwing the ball around. I don't think they have a particularly great run game. Um, Maybe Josh McDaniels brings that in. I mean, Josh Jacobs is always banged up. Um, Yeah. And then like, yeah, their secondary, like they haven't been able to figure out their secondary. It's like Namdi Asamoah left. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, when's the last yeah. good corner they had? They had Casey Hayward for a hot minute, but like he was older. Like, they don't have good safeties. Like, I, I don't know. I just, I'm just not have, huge on them. They have, they do have a. All they have is a good pass rush, really. But can you? That's what really they've had. Yeah, up? they've always had you know one or two guys that can kind of rush the passer. But that's not. It's just not enough, in my opinion. Yeah, agreed. Well, there you go. I mean, uh, I'm going to stay high on this team. I think we'll also be able to get a beat on how their season's going to go very early. Uh, I think early on we will be able to determine how this Raiders team uh, will look throughout the season. I don't think that they'll be – I think they'll be a little streaky, uh, but I don't think it's like, you know, they're going to start whatever, 6-0 and and then lose whatever, 10 straight or something like that. Uh, I think if they come out hot, I think they're going to have a great season. But I think if they come out slow, that they're going to have a shitty season. I don't think that they're really going to be able to turn it around one way or the other. Um, but they're going to be an interesting team to watch. They're definitely one of the most interesting teams to watch uh, for this season just because of their offensive talent. If we're going to take a look now at the their win total, it's only eight and a half at minus 120. So Vegas isn't wow. really high on this team either. Uh, so you guys kind of nailed the head. Maybe maybe I am way off, uh, and I'll be <laughs> looking like a like like a big uh, big idiot by the end of the season. But Vegas over eight and a half is minus one twenty. Under eight and a half is even. I, I I mean I'm high on this team and I like the over, but I just think their ceiling is so high that I I think the over would be the play here. This one. Ah, I mean, this one's tough. This is, I'll lead toward, I'll lead toward the the over, because I don't, I don't see them losing less than eight games, really. I don't know. This is a, I don't know. This for me, the Raiders have again another team, a lot of volatility. I think probably even more than the Chargers. Like I could see this team going like six and eleven or like fourteen and three. Um, it's all a matter of honesty if they can kind of figure out how to make it run defensively. Um, I think that's really their, their biggest thing. And it's a huge thing because that's one side of the ball. Um, Cause it's, you know, it's a lot, it's pass rushing and that's about it. Um, so I don't know. I'll be curious to see if they figure that if they do like my prospects on this team will 
will definitely change. I you need a you do need defense to win a championship, at least some level of it. This offense is so good, though. It's like it is. It's, it's it the is pieces they ridiculous. Have. It is the so reason why I know this though. Crazy. Those early those Patriots teams with some of the best offenses ever didn't win because of lack of defense. They did go seventeen and zero though. <laughs> they, did. they did go seventeen and zero. All I care about, that, man, regular season record, man. That's all I care about for this, for the sake of this, for the sake of this uh, show and this this segment. But this was really fun, guys. This was fucking awesome. Uh, I always love this, we're, these we're squad and the Broncos, though. Yeah, we are. Yeah, that is the official we all squad had it over. Right? <laughs> we did it inadvertently. That's the thing. We like to do this. We make the records. We, we come out, and Malik and I don't even know the over-unders, and Butts doesn't yeah. even know it. <laughs> I, just, like, know I literally it just looked it up. Just so, up. like, these are real. We're going through it game by game, and, you know, if we all like it, you know, maybe you want to fade us. That might honestly be the best option because that normally oh, ends yeah. up panning out. But, no, nah, like, got a squad ride this. I, I also love the fact that we don't really discuss the records. We kind of just come in. Uh, we haven't really talked about these teams cool. at all. Very, very briefly talked about them, but we really didn't give any kind of indication of how we thought these teams were doing. Uh, so I think coming in and debating these teams, talking about these teams is always a blast. Looking at the win totals, looking where Vegas has them is always fun, too, to kind of see where we're at compared to Vegas. Uh, but that's a squad ride, the third squad ride of the year so far. Over 10 wins for the Denver Broncos at minus 120. You get a little insurance with a 10, so if they get to 10, you get a push, but Expecting big things from the season this year. I will say I was talking to Jordan about this the other day. One of the biggest things, Jordan and I uh, co-host of the Lovecast, of course. One of the biggest things that's really interesting about betting uh, win totals is when, you know, it's a Sunday and you really want to bet against a team that you have a future on, but you think it's the right bet and then you're fucking conflicted and all that stuff. But <laughs> it's going to be a hectic fucking NFL season. Five, you're going to be in Italy for most of it, aren't you? I am, dude. Uh, I'm uh Boy, um, those those Sunday night, Thursday night, and oh, Monday night games on the couch. I'm gonna be fucking up, dude. I'll be up at freaking five thirty in the morning. Now. <laughs> you gotta buy the package. You gotta buy the package. Um, no, I'm hoping my YouTube TV works over there. Hey, <laughs> it's working over there. If not, my PlayStation is gonna be using some serious stream. Use, uh, some serious streamage from uh, uh, Florence. But no, the one thing though I wanted to say though about uh. You know, if you have futures, you're betting individual games, just let it all play out. Like, obviously, you have a play you like, go with it. The futures will always take care of themselves. So look at it game by game. I love go. the fucking I love the fucking advice from Fog, man. He sounds like he sounds like an experienced gambler, man. I, which he is, which he very I much is. We, we both <laughs> we both are. We've uh, we've had some phenomenal nights on the couch, especially when the MLB season came around. We uh we had a lot of fun on that couch. So that's why the gambling couch has now transitioned to the couch. Uh, but we'll definitely be talking a lot of gambling when that ramps back up. We're gonna have college basketball, college football, NFL, NBA, college I mean everything you can imagine we'll cover. But that is episode three Thank you guys so much for tuning in. This was a fucking blast. As always, make sure to drop a follow, download, share with a friend that likes sports, uh, promote it everywhere. We're looking to go big with this thing. So, yeah, thanks so much for listening, guys. Take care. Peace. Peace.